0: about today's message and if you're ready for today's message, why don't you get your Bibles open or your favorite digital devices, and turn with me, please, to Proverbs chapter 11. We're going to read a verse of scripture there in a moment. But let's pray. Let's believe God together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to be partners together. And Father, we're on the edge of our seats today with expectation. We're on the edge of our seat, Father God, using our faith and believing God that what we're about to hear will be life changing. And we thank you that my myself and each person in the room today and listening online. Father God, watching online, we are partnering together for your highest and best. And we thank you, Father, for uh, your word. We believe it'll fall on good ground. It'll produce great fruit. It'll change us. It'll make us better for being here, for hearing it, and being doers of your word. We give you glory and honor for it today. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 Welcome to part one in a new three-part series entitled, The World of the Generous. The world of the generous. I don't know if, if some of you know this or not, but there was a very important birthday this past Friday. How many knew that? It wasn't mine. It was a very important birthday. International Family Church turned 38 years old. Wow we turned 38 years old. Isn't that amazing? 38 years ago. It's hard to believe how fast the time has gone. Sometimes it feels like it was fast and sometimes it feels like it's been 50 years. But but nonetheless, we give God all the honor and glory for all that he has done. It's hard to believe my wife and I. My wife was 26. I was 27 years old. Um, And and look what the Lord has done um, in these 38 years. So happy birthday, everyone. And uh, happy birthday to International Family Church and uh, we have a lot to rejoice about. I bring that up because over the years people have asked my wife and I, Berna and myself, who, are, who is International Family Church and what do you want to be known for? And we immediately would say three things, even way before we changed the name of International Family Church to International Family Church in 1999, um, we always would say we are international, we are family, and we are church. We always said from the very beginning that we were international, that the nations would gather at the International Family Church. Anytime these doors would open, the nations would gather, that from the neighborhood to the nations, and here we are 38 years later, over 60 different nations gather every Sunday morning. How awesome is that? Then we would say, we're family. And we would always know what that meant, that that from every age group, we would celebrate and love and equip and train every age in the church, every family, so that every family could be transformed and be made whole. And we realized that our ministry to families would be wonderful and would be very encompassing. And then we would always say church, but we would say church in the sense of community, a refuge, a spiritual hospital, an oasis in the desert, a life-giving church. And even after we would say all that back in the beginning days, I always thought, man, there's there's more. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized there was something else that I wanted us to be known for. Absolutely. And I thought more than once, well, you know, our surrounding cities and neighbors are our, 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 towns, our neighbors will talk about us anyways. Why don't we get them to be talking about that they are the most generous church I've ever met, right? Generosity. And I wanted us to be known as a generous church, a giving church, a church that was radical in their, in their generosity it meant radical for the point that we would use our generosity in, in only one way to influence them for the gospel to influence them to become followers of Christ and for the cause of Christ so generosity is very important to us and so I'll, I want to talk to you about generosity today and, and help you understand the the power of generosity and right around that time when I realized that generosity was something that we won't want to be known for and something that we are very much known for as a church. Proverbs 11 really became a cornerstone verse for us in our quest to be generous. To be generous. Proverbs 11:24 24 and 25 in the message paraphrase says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed and those who help others are helped. How many know that accurately describes International Family Church? There's no doubt about it. I pray that it accurately describes you. So I want to say to you today how big is your world? Is your world a small world, just about you, us four, no more? Is it just a world that is concerned about your own needs and and what's best for you? Or has your world become larger and larger? Has your sphere of influence grown? Has your desire to bless others grown? Is it not just about you, but about others? And I pray that in this series that we will learn and see the importance of making sure our world is getting larger and larger. I want to ask you a question. It's actually the same question I asked myself over the years. And before I ask you that question, I want to make sure you understand and know our big takeaway today, because here's where we're going. Here's the one main point we have. Before you can enter the world of the generous, you must first pass the heart test. Amen. You must first pass the heart test. See, the only way for your world to get larger and larger is your heart has to get larger and larger. That's right. If you have a small heart, you're going to have a small world. If you have a large heart or a growing heart, your world will become growing, will be growing and become larger. And I realized uh, back in the, in the beginning days, um, I, I've learned that, that man, I, I had to have a heart change myself. So I grew up old-time Pentecostal and, and uh, very traditional, very legalistic, and, and uh, there was more things that we knew that were sin than we could really do. Uh, but, but at the same time, I value my roots and I value where we came from. But I learned as I grew older that some of the things I learned were not necessarily out of the Bible, that it was, it was more out of our Pentecostal tradition. A phrase would always be said, you never know what God will do. Maybe you grew up hearing that phrase too. Well, we do know what God can do. You know why? Because we have a Bible, and the Bible tells us what God can do. I grew up hearing over and over again, you never know if God might heal you. Sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. It might not be God's will, but I discovered that it was God's will to heal. And it's God's will to heal all the time. And don't let anybody ever tell you it's not God's will to heal. It is God's will to heal. It really is. Then I heard growing up, it was, well, it's not God's will for you to prosper. And any preacher who tells you it's not God's will to prosper, you need to shut him off, turn him off, or go to some other church because it's not the truth. It is God's will to prosper you. Now, when I heard about God's will to heal, I jumped on that right away. I don't know what it was, but it just resonated with my heart. I believed it. I experienced it. Um, and I was grateful for the fact that it was God's will to heal. Amen but I did not grab a hold of God's will towards money and increase something about it just, I don't know, I struggled with it and, and really what I discovered was it was because of my heart see I figured man I worked hard for this money, this is my money man I worked hard, I, I traveled this way and that way and went to traffic and, and worked and, and purchased and provide for my family, maybe you feel the same way man I, I, I worked hard for this money, this belongs to me And I realized over the years that I had a heart issue that needed to change. I had not yet passed the heart test. And because my heart was small, my world was small. I didn't understand why my world was so small. I didn't understand why I couldn't you know, necessarily make ends meet or why it was so challenging and so difficult for me uh, in my life. And so I began to understand that my heart was the issue. See, it's never a money issue with God. It's always a heart issue with God. See, so you think you need more money. You don't. You need a bigger heart. You need a bigger heart. We figured that's the issue. If I just got more money, my life would be better. If I just got a raise, my life would be better. If I just could have more money to pay off the mortgage early or to provide for this or provide for that. All of us want that. All of us need that. No doubt about it. But I had to learn, and I learned very quickly that I didn't have a money problem. I had a heart problem. Because there's no limit with God. He's an abundant God. He's Al he's Shaddai, not Al Chipo, right? I mean, he is a good God. He's an over-the-top God. He's an abundant God. So, so God blessing us is not the issue. The issue was I didn't qualify because I had a small heart. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So I had to ask myself a question, and I want to ask the same question to you as we start this series. I had to ask myself this question, Jonathan do you really trust God? I want to ask you the same question. Do you really trust God? Yes. Now, there are in every service, there are those that will immediately respond, absolutely yes. It's a no-brainer for them. They absolutely trust God. But for others, it's a lot more complicated. For others, it's not a simple just yes. It, there's just so many layers in their life. There's so many issues that have gone on in their life, and they, they want to. They want to be able to say emphatically absolutely. They want to be able to know that they know that, that, yes, I can trust him, but but there's so many influences in their life that make it very difficult and makes the answer much more complicated for some. And we think about God, the way we think about God, and our level of trust that we have towards Him is based on four influences. And here are the influences that have influenced you and have influenced me in our trust level with God. Number one, your family. Mm. Your family is your number one area where you learn trust. How you were raised. Many us were brought up in dysfunctional families where affirmation, celebration, love was not something that was freely expressed and so it's no wonder then that we grew up and wonder what kind of God God is. We wonder because we didn't receive love and affirmation and celebration and there was so much strife and contention and, 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 and positioning and manipulation and so forth that we wonder it's so hard for us to relate now to a God that's good and a God that loves us. And so your family environment and how you were raised says a lot about your, the patterns and the behaviors and the thoughts that you have because every one of those can be inherited maybe not necessarily on purpose, but they are passed down. Have you ever said, I'll never be like my dad? Yep. And one day you grow up and you're just like him. <laughs> one day you say, I'll never be like my mom. And before you know it, man, you're acting just like her, both for good or for bad. Right? And we realize that, man, a lot of this is passed down to us. And a parent who has a poor self-image, a parent who has an attitude of unworthiness, a parent who has, I don't deserve God's blessing mindset, can definitely be passed down to their children and so they can't blurt out, yes, I trust God, because it wasn't their experience. The second influence in our life is your life experiences. We've all had them, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? Have you ever had a bad experience and wondered where God was? Where are you, God? Where were you through my divorce? Where were you when my husband cheated on me? Where were you when my child died so early? Where were you when that? my world fell apart and my, my heart exploded in such pain and, and, and agonizing hurt? And so we wonder, where are you, God? So life experiences can absolutely t- dictate to us our level of trust if we have any level of trust. God wasn't there for me. What 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 will change? So life experiences tell us a lot. They influence us over and over again. But question, are our experiences the best teacher as far as who God is, whether he could be trusted or not? And the answer is not at all. Not at all. It's a terrible student, life experiences. It's a terrible way to be informed whether or not God is a good God or not. It's a whole big subject, but I just want to say that life experiences also can influence our level of trust. And thirdly, another one is religious affiliations. Absolutely my religious affiliation affected my life. I was always thinking that God was mad. I never had an image of God being happy. That God was always mad because I never could line up. I could never muster up the enough faith or, or live clean enough or live holy enough. And I always thought, man, I'm always coming up short. And I always thought God was just this old man up in heaven, angry with us frown on his face with a baseball bat just ready to hit me upside the head if I misbehaved. That was my view. It affected my ability to trust God. I learned more what not to do than what I could do. I had a sin consciousness. I never had a righteousness consciousness until I was in my mid-twenties. You kidding me? So our religious affiliations, grandfather lived that way, my father lived that way, my family lived that way. It's just the way I want to live. Right or wrong, it's how I was raised, brought up. My grandmother, great-grandmother, is buried in the back of the church in the cemetery. That's the church she went to. That's the church I'm going to go to. Even though you're not getting fed, even though you're not hearing the truth, even though it's not right, religious affiliations say a lot about our trust in God. Am I in the right room? Yes. And here's number four. The fourth influence is the one that we need the most, the Bible. Thank God for God's word today. God's word is our accurate source. In fact, it's the only accurate source on whether or not you can trust God or not. It's the only accurate source that really helps us understand God never did any this any any of those bad things to you. It wasn't God who did that. It wasn't God who caused your husband to do this or that or your marriage or the family or the things you... It wasn't anything about that. There's a thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And we blame God and say God is the one who did it when God was always there wanting to help you, to be there for you, to, to help you through your situation. The fact, the reason why you're on the other side of that is because he was there for you, whether you realize it or not. But God's word is our only true source. That when I studied God's word, I began to realize, wow, it is God's will to heal me. Wow, it is God's will to prosper me. Oh, it is God's will when my wife couldn't have a baby, that it was God's will for us to have a child. Amen. On and on it goes. When you read God's word, it expands your world. Your world gets larger and larger. When God's word gets in your heart, it changes you from the inside out. It causes you to see different, think different, act different, talk different, live different. Are you kidding me? Thank God for God's word. If you have been coming here any of the time? Your world is bigger because of the word of God you've heard from this platform, whether myself or any one of our communicators. Amen. And if you're brand new here, hang in there in here, amen, we're all going to do you right, we're going to help you understand so your world can become bigger and bigger because if you don't trust God you will never prosper to the degree that you need to amen. Amen. oftentimes our education helps, yes oftentimes landing that good job because of our smarts or our, our gifting and so forth, that's wonderful and, and, and we know that comes from God also but when you really get the heart of God you think you're prospering now or if you're in a place where you wonder how in the world am I going to get to the end of the month because I, I have more month than I do money, then praise God you need your world to get bigger and bigger because that's the kind of God we serve. Am I in the right room today? Yes. Amen. See, God is not like your dysfunctional family. God is not like your religious affiliation. God does not like your negative life experiences. Amen. The God of the Bible is the God that we must discover and fall in love with because he loves you. Amen. He loves you. And I I remember it comes to my mind right now. I remember saying to somebody, I said, I said, God loves you. He said, well, I don't love him. I said, God believes in you. I don't believe in him. And it came out of my mouth so quickly. That's too bad because he believes in you. God believes in you whether you believe in him or not. God wants you to trust him even when you don't trust him or not. He has his best intention in mind. Amen. Thank God for that today. See, God must be, God's word must be our final authority. I love Psalm 119. It says this in verse 105 and verse 111 in the passage translation. Truth, truth's shining light, or or God's word, guides me into my choices and decisions The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. Man, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? You need God's word to lighten up. Do I go left, right, stay still, advance, wait. God's word is that ability. God's word is that shining guide, that light that helps you with your choices and decisions. You can't make good decisions, man, get God's word in your heart and watch what illuminates of where you should and should not go. Amen. When you understand and God's word is illuminated to you, revelation it comes on understanding makes my pathway clear. I love 111. Everything you speak to me is like joyous treasure, filling my life with gladness. Oh, hallelujah. Man, thank God for his word today. What a great influencer God's word is in our life. Listen very carefully. God wants more for you than what you're experiencing right now. Say more. You say, well my life is pretty good right now. There's still more. Well, my life is terrible right now. Well, there's more. Wherever you find yourself, amen, you need to hear me loud and clear today. There's more available. There's more waiting for you. Not more in a selfish way or more in a spoiled thing, I got to have more. Not at all. God is a good, good God, and he has more in store for you. This is especially true when it comes to our generosity. So we're talking about the heart today. I think this verse says a lot in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves, I love the Amplified here, He takes pleasure in, prizes above all other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompted do-it-giver whose heart is in his giving. Amen. See, our heart needs to be in our giving. Our heart needs to be changed. Our heart needs to be available to God in that place. And we need to hear this loud and clear. This is more evidence that God is very concerned about the attitude of the giver. There are some things about ourselves we're going to have to confront. When it comes to generosity. There really is. There's got to be some things that have been long-standing generational attitudes that we just need to confront. Every Sunday morning we do it obviously in a very loving, caring way, but you know, there's there's an opportunity always. God's word confronts us. And God's word is a mirror. It's supposed to be a mirror that we hold up and it we see the real us. I say all the time. Yeah, I know we read God's word, but what's more important, that God's word reads you. And we need to make sure that God's word reads us today. That yeah. I'm not just reading it, and that's I encourage you to do so, but in reading it, I pray that it becomes a mirror that you see the real you. See, mirrors don't lie. Amen. Right, if you're looking in the mirror and you got something coming, hanging out of your right nostril, it's not going to lie. It's not going to tell you, oh, you're fine, don't worry about it. <laughs> Nobody can see that. Right? You got a little bit of spinach on your tooth. You look in the mirror. It's not going to lie, is it? Going to say, "Hey, dude, you better like clean it up," because you look really silly right now. Right? Something going on? The dress don't quite fit. The, well, you wonder sometimes what people looking at. Never mind. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Let's get back to the real reason why we look in the mirror, amen? And so so the mirror doesn't lie, the mirror tells the truth. So the mirror of God's word today is simply going to tell us the truth about how to become pure hearted. Remember our big takeaway was, before you can enter the world of the generous, you must first pass the what? Heart test. test. Let's talk about the heart for the few remaining minutes we have left. The top three heart tests that we face every single day. Let's discover the condition of your heart. I had to do the same thing. And I pray this is a, a help to you so that your world can become larger and larger. Here's the number one heart test we all have to deal with is what? The selfish heart. Wow. The selfish heart. Here's what the Bible says about the selfish heart. It says in Philippians 2, 3, when you do things, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Don't let it be your motivation. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. You see, selfishness whispers to us, you won't have enough if you give what God tells you to give. You won't have enough to meet your own needs if you give that. God says, don't allow your heart to think that way. It's the most debilitating thing for you, is when your heart says, now you better not do that, or get behind me, Satan. Ever say that when you felt this need to give a certain amount, I have more than once, and I man, get, you know, that's like I can't, I can't be God. I've never given that much before. That's gotta be the devil. See, the Bible says, no, man, don't let your heart think that way obviously greed and selfishness are not proper motivations in our giving. Amen. God wants to change us from greedy, selfish takers to grateful, generous givers. Amen. Amen. Joshua 1.8, around this time when I'm learning about what God's plan is for my life, this came alive. Keep this book of the law, talking about God's word, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be grateful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Well, that got my attention. I wanted to be prosperous. I wanted to be successful, right? I know I grew up where, where you know, it was just very popular to say, you know, everybody needs to be poor and they love keeping preachers poor. Ever noticed that growing up? Man, they just, the the poor, the preacher, they thought they were, I don't know what it was, some kind of badge of honor, keep their pastors poor. That's one of the reasons why I didn't want to go into ministry. I didn't want to be a poor pastor. Did you go into your line of work to be poor? No. I don't think so. Did you go to college so you can come out poor? No. Well, give me a break. Amen. Right? I'm no different than you. I serve the same God you do, right? I, I Absolutely. I mean, there's no way I wanted to be poor like you don't want to be poor. Sometimes we put the pastor in a whole other category, like, well, he's holy. He's supposed to be poor. That's not God. Not God. Amen. That's not God. Aren't you glad we don't preach that gospel around here? Yeah. <laughs> Woo, yes. Amen. Anyways, we think that if we will just meditate day and night or on a regular basis on God's Word, that we'd be successful. There's something else very important there. Not only do you do that, yes, but you have to do what the Word says. Amen. You need to be doers of the Word so yeah. that you may be careful to do everything written in it then. Okay. So we need to be doers of the Word. It's very important that every one of us in this room become doers of God's Word. Amen. It's in the doing of God's Word that brings success and blessing. Amen. So selfishness tries to manipulate us to say, no, hold on to that. You need that more than somebody else does. No, no, that's selfishness. There's a second thing that we have to deal with. The second heart test is the grieving heart. So if we're not dealing with the selfish heart, man, right right on the heels of the selfish heart is the grieving heart. So Deuteronomy 15 tells us, speaking to those that are in need, you must surely give to them and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to them because in this thing, the Lord, your God will bless you in all of your works and in all that you put your hands to do. Amen. So God wants us to have a blessed life. So the reward of being givers is a blessed life. God says he will bless you in everything that you do and in all of your works. And he instructs us not to grieve in our hearts when we're being obedient to God. So it's important not to let yourself start grieving, listen, over what you could have done with that money if you would have just kept it. Selfishness can attack us before we give, but grief can attack us after we give. See how they work hand in hand. If they can't stop you, they'll get you after the fact. See, the enemy's never happy when you're a giver. The enemy's never happy when your world becomes larger and larger. He wants your world to become smaller and smaller so he can control you, so he can manipulate you. So he can keep you under his authority. He doesn't want you to grow in God's authority. He doesn't want you to become this big person on the inside, living your life large and loud for the honor and glory of God to be a a blessing to others. No. People who sell big ticket items for a living, they'll tell you, I've I've talked to them, every one of them have, have, have said the same thing, that there's something that they deal with on a regular basis called buyer's remorse. Right? Ever had it? Bought some big ticket item? You bought that refrigerator that you know, tells the weather and tells the time and, and, and boils your water and, and yeah gives you four different kinds of ice cubes. It's wonderful, right? But then you, after your body you realize what did I do? Panic sets in. I spent so much money. And either the next day or a week later you're bringing that stuff back. It happens on a regular basis. It's a, quite a phenomenon of buyer's remorse. Well you know you can do the same thing as a giver? Yes. You can have giving remorse. Why did I do that? Man, I'm not gonna have lunch money or I could have put that towards a bill and, and we still have the same thing. It's a grieving heart and you gotta understand that's not God's plan. Something similar happens and we must guard our heart, amen, either before our giving or even afterwards as well. So how do we combat grief? What's the proper perspective concerning money? This influence of the word of God, how do we do this? Well, first of all, you need to know something. The first lesson I had to learn. My money didn't belong to me. Cool. It wasn't mine. Now I get it. I get we live in a society where we own things. We own our home. We own our car. We own those pair of shoes. We own that pocketbook, right? We own that thing. And and I worked hard for this. This is my money. It belongs to me. It's mine. Well, that might work in our world. But in God's economy, it doesn't work that way. Amen. In God's economy, He owns it all. Yes. And we are stewards of what He has given us. See, it's a lot easier to give what doesn't belong to you. See, you would give my money all day long. I'd do the same with your money. I wouldn't think twice about giving away your money, right? You wouldn't think twice about giving away my money. Why? It's not yours. See, when you understand it all belongs to God, it makes all the difference in the world, amen. The word generous is defined, open in giving or sharing, willing to give help or support, Unselfish—it's a great word. It's a great word to learn how to be generous. Generous living is a lifestyle that is others-focused. It's not a one-size-fits-all concept. It's not limited to the wealthy or the beautiful or the fortunate or or you know the the fancy man. It's it applies to every one of us. It's a it's a truth that is for all. It's a journey of a heart transformation from what can I get to what can I give. It's allowing God to cultivate this generous heart that does not come natural to most of us. Much like worship, generosity is a disposition of the heart. Listen very carefully. God is not trying to take something from you. He's trying to bring something to you. That's what you need to understand about God's heart. Now, I know there are ministers and churches, and, and unfortunately, they're the wrong example of always taking from us and manipulating people who maybe don't make a lot of money, but you know, or 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 have certain attitudes about life and, and they try to manipulate them in giving and 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 so forth. That's not God's heart. God's not trying to take something from you, He's trying to get something to you. He's wanting to help you make your world larger. He's not trying to subtract. He's trying to add and multiply in your life. That's the kind of God that we serve. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Praise God. We think of ourselves as owners, but really we are not owners at all. We are stewards of what God has given us. Amen. So don't hesitate in giving? Have you ever hesitated in giving and, and felt selfish before you've given and not given at all? Or have you dealt with a grieving heart after the fact and thought, man, there goes that money down that black hole. Who knows what they're going to do with that money? I could have really used it. And we grieve. Well, listen, the third and most important, and we'll end with this today, number three is the generous heart. That's what God wants for us is a generous heart. A generous heart. And, and we look again at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. And it says this, let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious, hilarious generosity. Amen. Understand God's word says this. God's word says the heart determines the hands. The heart determines the hand. If your head determines the hand, see the, the heart regulates the hands. Oftentimes we let our heads regulate the hands and that's why they're clenched and that's why they're possessive and that's why they're controlling. But when you let a heart that God has done a work in our heart control us, our heart controls our hands. Our hands are open, open, open-ended. Our hands are open, receiving more than we could have ever had, closed-fisted. It's not just us four and no more. It's, it's in God's economy and God's kingdom, it's all about giving. I love to say it this way. I was born selfish, but I'm born again generous. Yes. Amen. Yes. Say it with me. I was born selfish, born selfish, but I was born again generous. That's God's plan. That's God's heart for you. That's God's plan for you. Amen. And it's not just about money. God wants to bless us in every way. Your time is important. Your gifting is important. It's all part of it. It's God's plan to get you larger and larger. Are you stuck in a small-hearted world? Small-hearted thinking? Small-hearted in your approach and your attitude towards life? fearful, you live your life more fear-based and faith-based? More more expecting the worst and expecting the best? See, that's a small world. And God wants to change that small world and help you to become larger. Amen. Doesn't mean you don't have wisdom. Of course you do. Doesn't mean you don't give based on anybody else's prompting, but you let the Holy Spirit. That's why we don't beg you to give. We don't twist arms here at IFC. You've never had that experience here, and you never will. Why? It's God's plan for your world to get larger and larger. Remember what our big takeaway was? Before you can enter the world of the generous, a large world you must first pass the heart test I pray that you'll allow the spirit of God to put his flashlight in your heart to identify is it selfish is it a grieving heart or is it a generous heart where do you find yourself not meant to hurt anybody's feelings just meant to say if you want to live in a small world help yourself don't do anything I said today or in the next couple of weeks but if you want a larger world, a bigger world, if you want a large world that gets bigger and bigger, bless more and more people. See, God knows. God knows that it's it's like the pipe. The water goes through the pipe, and we know it's going to the customers. How many know it gets to the customers, yes. But the pipe gets wet while the water goes to the customer. And if God knows it'll go through you he'll make sure he gets it to you. That's God's heart. God knows that. God says, and we've said for over and over, God, it's not going to get stuck here. We don't have sticky hands here at International Family Church. You get it through us, we'll make sure it'll get to where it needs to go in Jesus' name. That's a generous heart. That's a big world view in Jesus' name. Did you learn something today? Come on, stand on your feet with me, please. God bless you. Why not you raise those hands towards heaven if you can today for just a moment. Just tell the Lord you love him. Just thank him that out of his generosity he sent his only one son. Only one son he had and he sent him for you and for me. What a generous heart. What a big world our God lives in. And he wants us to be a benefactor. To live in this big world and not live in a stingy world in a small minded world to live in a world that grows and grows in our lives. Thank you, Father, for showing us, teaching us, transforming us. It's a process. But thank you, Father God, that you love us so much that you tell us the truth today. You wanted us to be set free from the selfish heart and from the grieving heart. And Father, we're sorry. Forgive us. That's all we knew. We didn't know any better. It's what we learned. It's what we saw. It was our example Selfishness and grieving can be taught Father we want to be taught by your word we want your word to be our final authority and your word declares that we can be joyful, hilarious prompt to do it look forward to it, can't wait to be generous to what you tell us to do And we thank you for it hallelujah, hallelujah. oh we love you Father hallelujah. you're so faithful Father with every head bowed please in just a moment Pastor Josh will come and close the service so nobody walking around just for a minute he'll say Pastor pray for me please I, I want to make sure that my heart is right and the number one way to get your heart right is to make sure Jesus lives in your heart that he's your Lord and your Savior he lives on the inside and he transforms you from the inside out he loves you he cares about you and you say Pastor pray for me please I want to make sure Jesus lives in my heart I want my sins forgiven I want heaven as my home In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if that applies to you. And because not I want to embarrass you or not point you out, not at all. I want you to be intentional and say, I'll be a man and recognize I need Jesus. I'll be a woman and recognize I need Jesus. I need him and I need him now. Say, Pastor, pray for me. If that's you and you say, I need Jesus, pray for me, Pastor. Will you raise your hand nice and high so I know who you are today? Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Over here, Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. I see it. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Awesome. Over there, thank you. I see it. Wonderful. Oh, how great. Yes, you can put your hands down. Thank you. I see it. Yeah, God bless you. Amen. Wonderful. Man, every service, we are seeing people give their lives to Christ. Isn't that awesome? I I never get tired of that. People saying, yeah, that's me. I need it. I'm ready. I I, I want my world to get larger and larger. We can't do without Jesus. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me from my sin. I denounce my past. I want to live for you. Thank you for changing my life today. I receive by faith forgiveness, eternal life, salvation. I will never be the same, in Jesus' name. Come on, give God praise this morning. Come on, thank Him for His faithfulness. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times, or how you can get involved, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can help us do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.